correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to Me and Steve. I'm here tonight with my good friend Steve. How are you tonight? Oh, tired. Tired? As always. I concur. So, um, yes. Well, do we have a podcast for the week? Yes, we do. Oh, well, actually, we've got three of them. Weird. No, it's the Court Games family. Oh, I love Court Games. Yeah, so they've got uh, three podcasts on the network. Um, I don't know how much all of them have been releasing, but I did see, I believe one of them, Fortunate Strife, has, has recently released a couple new episodes. But all three of these podcasts, be it the one called Court Games, the one called Fortunate Strife, or the one called Crimson Gold Agonies, they all center around the Legend of the Five Rings games from... Fantasy Flight slash Edge. Mm-hmm. And the the one called Court Games is kind of a talk and discussion podcast. I think they deal some with the card game as well. Then you have Fortune and Strife, which I believe is the actual play that's done more as a kind of a demonstration. You know, they have some mechanics talk, uh, dice rolls, etc. And then you have Crimson Gold Agonies, which is done much more as an audio drama. So depending on your flavor or all three, if you're into L5R or curious, there's a good place to go check them out. You can find them all at, well, they have various sub addresses, but uh, courtgamespod.com or um, cgapodcast.com. And of course, there'll be links in the show notes where you can get to all of those. So uh, that's that. Yeah. And uh, what else do we got tonight, Steve? You know what else we have? This weekend, as you're hearing this, October 1st and 2nd of 2022, we will be at the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo. Yes. PGX. That's at the Metroville Convention Center. So if you're in Pittsburgh area, please come check us out. If you're not in the Pittsburgh area, well, it's a little short notice, but you might be able to find somewhere close by to stay. Yeah, we'll both be running some games. We're doing a panel on Sunday. Yep, panel Sunday, games Saturday. I think both of us have games Saturday. Yep. Interesting music, pinball machines, old arcade cabinets, old arcade games, old consoles, you know, everything that there is gaming. There's a cosplay contest. Yeah, they're running a cosplay contest, so if you're into that, that's cool. Yeah, it's like everything gaming. Mm -hmm. And we did an episode not too long ago with the organizers of the con, I don't remember what the episode number is off the top of my head, but if you go back in the feed just a yeah. little bit, you'll see us talking about PGX and conventions, and that's yeah. us talking with uh, Brian and Alex, who are two of the main organizers. Yeah, that was a cool cool conversation. Mm-hmm. It was. So, speaking of cool conversations, let's break into a cool conversation for tonight. Yeah, okay. Who are, who are you talking to? Because I'm not cool. Well, neither of us <laughs> are, but... So... With it being October, as you hear this this weekend, we going to do Spooky Month again? Oh, I'm working on it. Uh, I didn't get quite as much of a head start as I did last month, or last month, last, last year. year. But I've got a couple of uh, couple of shows lined up already, and I'm working on some more. So why don't we make our topic a little bit spooky tonight? Okay. 
let's talk about basically using meta to build an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, I don't want to say a lot, but a good handful of games that are based around real world situations dictating what happens in the game, which I mean, that's all pretty much all tabletop RPGs, but I'm talking like dread where it's a Jenga tower that dictates how the game goes mm -hmm. or um, what was the one with the candles? The one we were talking about. Yeah. 10 candles, 10 candles. Is that literally what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Where that, that works as like a countdown clock and you, you know, you're supposed to play it in the dark with just the candles lighting it. And yeah, there, I mean, I think either of those would be a little challenging if you had to play them online. I mean, I know yeah. there's a, I'm sure there's places where you can play Jenga online, but I'm sure you could easily play both of those on tabletop simulator. But I think especially with the 10 candles, it's you're going to lose the ambiance. Yeah, I think you lose a little bit of it because you're not in person. I agree. But I mean, the court conceit of both of those games is you have basically this external ticking clock that dictates how the game goes. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to talk to talk about maybe how to use external forces to build suspense and build tension, really. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the Jenga Tower is, I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. Well, Jenga is a stressful game to begin with. So yeah. I've never played Dread and I probably never will. My anxiety says no. <laughs> I'm actually curious about the new version of the Judge Dread RPG that they used the Dread game for. Oh yeah, I'm curious about that too. That looks cool. I mean, I'm kind of annoyed that they pulled the license from EN Publishing for the one that they did, but you know, yeah. I get the marketing crossover. I mean, it still exists. Yeah, I bought it on Humble Bundle right before it disappeared. So yeah, I did pretty much the same thing. I think. I think I yeah, well, I know you had had at least the core book for a while. Yeah, I think I picked up, they had an option that was like everything else, and I think I picked that up. Okay. But, yeah, no, I, um, I'm curious about that myself, to know how you run a game that isn't Dread in Dread. <laughs> yeah, because, like, yeah, the basically, as I understand it, having heard it played once or twice, playing the actual, and we're, we're talking about the game Dread, not the judge dread version of it at this point, right. but the basically every time that your character makes an action that is, well, shall we say of consequence, mm -hmm. you pull a block. Yeah. Anytime you would basically make a die roll. Right. And so, yeah, obviously as more and more of those things happen, the tower becomes more and more unstable and, you know, so it inherently builds tension as the story builds. Right. Right. And I mean, 10 candles uses the candles as basically a countdown timer. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that one. I remember reading something about it a while ago, but I would love to have somebody on to talk about 10 candles because I think it seems like a really cool game that I'd like to know more about. But everything I understand of it is it, it basically uses the candles as a countdown timer. So as, as time goes on, candles get put out, characters perish. It, it sort of gets, darker in the room sets a tone until it's eventually just pitch black because there's no candles left. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I may have to, you know what, maybe I'll see if I can get them to uh, 
might be worth reaching out to. Yeah, but no, 10 Candles, yeah, I want to, I remember finding a read-up of, uh, finding a write-up on it somewhere. But yeah, I want to say there's there's something where like, yeah, as, as different things happen or the candles go out or, you, but it is described as more of a tragic horror game rather than survival horror. Right. But, and then there's stuff that's not necessarily made to be played that way, but you could absolutely run and add those external atmospheric elements. Like, I would love to play a Call of Cthulhu game where we play in, like, I don't know, give me an old abandoned mansion and we're playing traditional Call of Cthulhu in the 30s, right? Mm -hmm. Or give me, you know, I don't remember. I want to say we talked to somebody who talked about playing it in somebody's shed. I think that was Huli. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, but... Well, and then, yeah, you got those spiders that they have that would literally just suddenly be there. Right, and that's <laughs> terrifying in and of itself. But no, like, I can imagine playing, like, oh, man, the old gods of Appalachia, or um, isn't that what that game's called? It's coming Yeah, out yeah. I I got an update recently on it, but uh, I know they're they're working hard on it, but nothing yet as to when it's actually going to be released. Well, imagine a game like that, but... Yeah, you know, just a couple of people camping. Oh yeah, in the woods, you know, just around a campfire playing something like that. Yeah, like that would be a really atmospheric, fun game. And you don't even have to go that in depth. You know, it, it could even be little stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes. That's, well, go ahead. No, kind of what you're talking about there too is is setting of you know your your setting of where you're actually playing the game, not the game setting, but you know. Where do you, as the people playing it, set up to play the game, which can have an effect? You know, like you said, if you're playing it, you know, even if you go to like some sort of campground and you're just playing at a picnic table, we are going to have, you know, ambient noises from the surrounding area, you know, critters and, and whatever that could definitely make it higher tension, if you will, just because most of us aren't used to those noises all the time. Yeah, most of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even if you are, if you've got your head in the right space, you know, a lot of natural noises are kind of creepy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying, I, I know that I could get myself creeped out real well with a, I mean, I have friends that we were, we were sitting around a campfire the other night, nobody was saying anything, and the coyotes let loose, and they about jumped out of their skin, like, <laughs> just no, nothing... You know, nobody said anything, but they were like, oh, like, well, it's the coyotes. You hear them all the time. <laughs> but yeah, it could, if you're in the right headspace, you get yourself in the, you know, right mindset, you're there. And I think getting yourself in the right mindset, if you have the right setting, that makes it a little bit easier too. Yeah. Yeah. If you can somehow, yeah, have your, your, so to speak, out of character setting, lending cues to your in character setting. Right. That can be really effective and i could understand you know i'm i'm that way right now myself is that i have no games in person going and i get that that's it's hard to getting in-person games going especially with everything going on and you know despite we talked about it a little bit last week covid's still a thing you know it's it's not something that's going away so if you don't feel comfortable with that there's other ways though i think you could get in that headspace like your virtual tabletop that you play on unless you're not using one at all. I think if you were using something like tabletop simulator or a really well done virtual tabletop, that helps set that tone as well. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I really want to run a Call of Cthulhu game where I use the clue board. That could be neat. Just use that as the map of the house. But I don't want to tell my players. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't want to give them an exact map of the house. I just want to start describing, like, where things are at. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, at the end of the game, they're just like, did we just, was that the clue? Yeah. <laughs> what about using, like, music? Oh, yeah. I know we tried it. Uh, a little bit in my cyberpunk 2020 game, but I don't have the uh, attention capacity to effectively, you know, shuffle tracks, etc. Right. We still need to reach out. Um, there was that company that was recommended to us to reach out to, to talk about music and gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I think it was Sirenscape, which I know does a I lot of so. soundscapes and so forth. Maybe even try and get a hold of the guy that does uh, tabletop audio. Yeah. Yeah. But Sometimes I have a hard time running music in a game. A lot of time what I do is I'll just pick a track and put it on as ambience in the background, mm -hmm. which I mean is exactly what we're talking about, just putting something on as ambience. Right. But it's even more effective if you can cue it, you know, in certain, which, well, you do enough prep work, maybe build a playlist. Again, online is a little trickier. You need the right things to do it. But I think most of your VTTs will allow you in some form or other to do that, or you can configure things to do with it. I think the biggest thing is you need a soundboard or a soundboard application mm -hmm. that you can just program sounds into or, or music cues into get that all set up. And then you're, you're really talking about just, you just have to push a button when time comes, Yeah, which is a little bit, I don't know. I've been there myself. I know how hard it can be to remember to push a button at the right time. Yeah, well, and then it's, that's where, you know, it, with me, if I have music on, a lot of times it's just sort of playing in the background. Right. And I'm saying if I'm doing whatever, you know, and so for me to remember to cue up this track as this starts, it's going to be a little tricky. Like right. I could do it, but it's it's yet another thing I need to pay attention to. And I'm not good enough at being organized to have it set where I can just reach over and do it. Well, and you could just... I, I, I don't know if you were doing something where you knew at this time, this was going to happen. So, you know, um, uh, Justin talked about that when, when Justin was on the podcast mm -hmm. and, and just, if you know, things are happening at certain times, you just have it timed out to where maybe you have an alarm on your phone that goes off or something, Yeah, you know, but you have it timed out to where, at this time, this needs to play. And at this time, this needs to play because this needs to be happening by then. Mm -hmm. So just what about like using some sort of countdown timer for your, for your table, as far as, you know, you have until the end of this song to resolve this scene. Yeah, that would work. That would be an option that you have. I think that's interesting. I think you could really play with something like that. Uh, I had a, a GM when I was playing D and D. He would uh, he would have everybody put a song in his playlist, and whenever your song came on, you got advantage. Uh huh. Because it was like basically your your hero music started playing. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was neat, but it made for a really interesting playlist. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that you know having a a song as a timer is is neat. And depending on the game, you can use that thematically, right? Like right. 
maybe you're playing a music based game and you go, okay, well you guys have to the end of this song to figure out how not to get, you know, how to win the battle of the bands or how to not get jumped by the bikers at the end of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that would be really interesting. I think another thing you could do is not even just sounds, but like sound bites or noises, I think really play well too, Mm -hmm. especially in something like a call of Cthulhu game, right? Oh yeah. You get the right noises and you just hit your players with them without them expecting it. And they're going to crawl out of their skin. Because you're already tense going, I don't want to make the wrong mistake. I don't want to make the right, you know what I mean? I don't want to mm-hmm. make the wrong choice the right way, right? Yeah, no, there's there's a song I'm thinking of the intro to now that would be great for something like that. You could somehow kind of like loop it in and out. Yeah, you just take uh, a little bit of prep A little bit of an obscure, obscure track, but it's, uh, I'll play it for you sometime. Okay, but yeah, no, I think you could really... You think you could really get your players unnerved with something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but just kind of like that, that little bit of like disquieted and unnerved, not like actually freaked out. No, not, not, not in any sort of bad way. Just that like, Oh, 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 oof, I'm a little bit offset. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and there's things you can do when you're running the game too, to kind of do that. And, and they're not techniques that I would use all the time. But I think like one that I used when we were doing, I think it was the Cyberpunk 2021 shot that I ran for you. Geez, what was that now? Two and a half, three years ago, mm-hmm. where you guys were role playing a scene, just you and the other characters. And I know I've said before on the show that if your players are role playing, leave them alone and just watch. Most of the time, that's the case. But you can do things to, again, help build tension or urgency in that. And what I would did to you at least once or twice was you're in the middle and I just all of a sudden your phone rings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things where yes, you're breaking up role-playing, but it's a very natural way of breaking up role-play. Like you could see that happening in, in, in reality. So you don't have a hard time grasping it. Right. Right. Yeah. I wasn't like breaking up, you know, an action. Well, you could do that though with, well, like even cyberpunk 2020, you could just, like say they're at a diner or something and all of a sudden a car drives through the front of the building while they're eating and talking. And, you know, like that's a whole, you can, you can do that and interrupt your players and it be okay. I think more what you're more avoid advising to avoid is like stopping your players role-playing because you want to move on. Right. 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 And I'm not saying, I mean, the the GM's a player too, but you got to keep in mind that some of your players really just want to role play. And unless it's not, unless it's completely frivolous role playing, I would just let it happen. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I guess it is a tool. It's not one you want to overuse, but you can get that. What do you want to say that? Oh, damn it. The phone's ringing again. Reaction by actually interrupting occasionally. Right. And and I think another outside of game thing that you can use that I played a little bit within our Retro Star game, I didn't get a chance to really use it, use it, but um, voice changers and voice modulators and auto-tune and stuff like that just to try and like change up your voice, change up your sound, especially if you're playing online. Mm-hmm. You know, voice changers are easy to get a hold of and and they're a good way of like, Helping your players distinguish, you know, if you're not good at voices, 
get a voice modulator. It'll help your players distinguish between the different characters Mm -hmm. and just pick a thing and be like, okay, well, this is this character. This is that character. And it may not be great, but it's going to be a lot better than, you know, if you're, if you're really bad at voices, it's going to be better than being bad at voices. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes to, you were talking about that and to step back a little bit too. I've heard some people talk about when they're playing with, with music behind them in a game, sometimes they'll have tracks that are keyed specifically to a villain or a certain character Mm -hmm. and they may put them on a little bit before that character actually shows up, but that raises the tension in the room. Yeah. They're on their way. Yeah. Imagine doing that with like (laughs) Strahd. Like, yeah. Well, look how the effect it was done with Vader and star Wars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, every movie has, well, almost every movie has villain music, right? Like, right. This is the villain's theme. It plays and you know, the villain's coming. And the heroes have their theme too, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 that's a really, really cool idea that works well. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, it's because like sometimes, like for me, a lot of times these just sort of hit in the moment and it's like, oh, I'm going to try that. Yeah. No, you just go, I'm, I'm going to give that a try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Oh, well, didn't work. Oh, darn. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, the worst, it doesn't work. I've told you before, I, I don't have like... I don't know. I've run a couple things where I played music in the background and usually I just throw it on in the background to build a little bit of ambience. So mm-hmm. like I'll have say D and D I'll have a mix of like, this is tavern music. So if my players are at the tavern or this is dungeon music. So if their players are in the dungeon or, you know, if I'm playing like very vanilla D and D or just vanilla high fantasy in general, I can do that. That's not a problem. And that's another way to help build tension and build ambience when you're, even online, like I said, you can pipe in, just keep it. You want, unless you don't want yourself to be intelligible, which is another cool trick, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want yourself to not be intelligible as the GM, you could pipe in music, sound effects, anything over your levels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, say you're you're trying to portray something in a busy airport and. You know, let's let's play Genesis for a little bit, right? We're in a busy airport. I'm trying to I have a an NPC that's trying to tell you something and I make you roll to see if you can hear it or not, right? Mm-hmm. It's a busy airport. If you can't hear it, it's very important that you hear it. If you do if you don't, you're going to miss a big piece of important information. So maybe I'll have you do a roll prior to that that's going to pertain to this instead, right? Mhm. I've done this a lot. This is one of my go-to tricks is maybe five minutes before something happens, 10 minutes before something happens, I'll make you make a roll for something that you think is going to be more important, but I already have the outcome to it. I'm just trying to make you roll dice. So I know what, how to deal with the situation later. Right. You're, you're so to speak pre-rolling the check so that you can set up the scene to reflect the what the role told you. Right. I do that. If I'm prepped out, I do that a decent amount Mm -hmm. because it's a good way to keep your players off your trail. Right. (laughs) So to speak. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a whole nother subject of, you know, you know, how transparent should you be as a GM, which I think is, is maybe, you know, a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. Obviously lie, cheat dice and play games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like, yeah, 
I don't know. There's a fine line to walk between that and adversarial. Yeah, well, but I'm a very behind-the-screen GM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I will freely admit that that I will do things behind a screen to make the players wonder. If I'm if I'm playing in front of the screen, uh, and and my players have picked up on this at this point, my my main crew picked up on this a long time ago. If I'm playing in front of the screen, or I don't have the screen up, they know my roles don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> they know that I'm just making up numbers as I'm going and it doesn't matter actually what I roll because not to not look sometimes you just you just need some things to happen and you just don't leave it up to dice as yeah. the GM well see okay so I'm going to tangent here let's tangent <laughs> this is one of the supposed changes I've heard is coming with what are they calling it 1D&D one, yeah 1D&D is that they're removing criticals for NPCs or the bad guys, monsters, whatever. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, let me just stop you real quick. And and we had Spivey on last week, and he talked a little bit about this. In all honesty, I am completely and utterly checked out with D&D. And I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. If that's your thing, that's great. I'm glad that you like an RPG. But for me, between the constant missteps and everything else with that I don't like about D&D, I'm done. Like, fully out. I could care less about one D&D. But go on. <laughs> I, I'm not far behind you. But the, one of the things that I've heard that they're going to do is is remove criticals for monsters, bad guys, whatever. I get it to a point. I've been in situations where I, I think that makes the game excessive they make the game excessively swingy at low levels you know but at the same point once you get no go ahead sorry once you get up a couple levels i don't see the survivability of the game being an issue that you have to do something like that to fix i think that becomes then onus on gms to decide how you want to do it if you want to get rid of criticals and you don't want to play any criticals, that's on you. You decided to do that. If you want to keep criticals, then keep the criticals. Nobody's yeah. telling you you can't play that way, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I can see both sides of the argument. At low levels, a critical is absolutely devastating. Yeah. I also simultaneously miss the old days of D&D when things were supposed to be absolutely devastating. Yeah, well... And it's nigh impossible at this point in fifth edition to kill unless you have a completely inexperienced player is nigh impossible to kill early characters Mm, not so much early well yes kind of early because it's it's unless you're unless you're running creatures that are over leveled for them it is almost impossible to kill those characters well but i'm thinking back to the campaign that in some ways birthed this podcast. The very first encounter of that campaign, I don't remember. I, it might have been my character took a crit that set him down, and we wiped. And we're sitting there, you know, this is an hour and a half into the game, and we're looking at each other like, well, what do we do now? And it's like, well, how about we just reset it and try it again? Write different names on the top of the character <laughs> sheets and just do it again. You know, because like literally we, I mean, we're an hour and a half into the campaign. So like 
yeah, you're at that point where you can't really make new characters because that's going to be another hour and a half. You're just not going to get to play for the rest of the night. And so we literally redid the exact same encounter with the exact same players and the exact same characters, and we stomped it. Yeah, I don't know. And I, it wasn't I, meta whatever. It was just the luck of the dice. And like I said, the, the, I think if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, but I think that the initial catalyst to it all was a, you know, so to speak, a monster crit on a PC. Well, to keep the tangent going, I think a little bit of that, let's just do it again mentality, like a party wipes now, it's not a huge deal if you don't make a new character. Like if the entire party wipes and you don't make a new character, but start the campaign over again, it is not as big of a deal as it was back, let's say, AD&D days, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because there has been a precedent set with video games where if your character dies, well, it's not like the arcade games where you put in more quarters and you get to go again. Now it's like console games where you just hit reset and do it again, right? Yeah. Mario jumps and misses the jump. We don't have to worry about, oh, well, now I get to play as Luigi. We get to play as Mario again, right? (laughs) No, that's a fair point. I think that was the the idea that you have to make a new character unless and the only way this happens is if you have more if you have better than 1% of the party survive, right? So of 5 people if you have one person survive, they got out of there and they met a new group or there's some story on how they met up with you with your group again, right? Right. But if you have like two out of five people survive, that's when you sort of got to go, well, at least give your characters new names, right? Like fair, but that's an early on thing. I don't think that works so much later. Like once you've become invested in a character forever, you can't just continue unless the players bring them back. No, no, I agree with you there. But yeah, no, like if it's the first, if it's the first thing, I don't think it's a huge deal to just hit continue and do it again. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand why they're trying to do that. But at the same time, it's a dice game. It's yeah. always going to be random. No. And, and look, I'm, I'm not the one who would normally suggest that, but in that circumstance, it was like, we literally just started. Right. Like, no, I literally just made this character. Damn it. Like, I don't want to have to do it again. Yeah. Like, come on. I made this character up on my way here today. I did that one day. I, I had a I had a game started and I wiped and my GM was like, all right, make a new character. So I switched two stats around and changed the name and handed it back to him. <laughs> I switched I switched two stats, changed the name, kept the profession and everything the same and just was like, here's my new character. I'm like, this looks like the same character. Yep. This is his brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that I mean, they, but uh, so back to you know, using things to build tension, you know, outside of, of just, you know, your, your descriptions in the game. I mean, timers. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Timers. Get yourself a, you know, you could have uh, an hourglass, you could have a timer on your phone set, you know, the number of times that like I've had players defuse a bomb and just set a timer on it and been like, what's well, going to go off at this time. And so they're physically looking at the timer and then like trying to figure out the puzzle that is the bomb and building that tension that way. 
timers are such a big, important, useful tool in the game that in, in any game, really, unless you're playing something very, very relaxed. But anything with serious tension, timers are a fantastic tool because everybody is affected by time crunch. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a, here's one that I heard about it from Russ Morrissey. He mentioned it on his podcast a long time ago, and I think he incorporated it into one of his games, which one I don't know. But um, he's talking about where he will sometimes, he'll pick, pick up a handful of D6, you know, five, six of them, whatever, and just pick a number at random that, that's on those dice. And we'll say, you know, through a scene, whatever, he's maybe, you know, he's counting down to when the cops show up. Right. So he's got this handful of dice and he picks the number five. So he rolls the handful of dice. Any die that comes up a five, he sets to the side, waits, you know, two minutes or two turns or whatever. He rolls the dice that are left. Anything that's a five, he set. And so this pool gradually gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but it's not a strict countdown. Right. You know, that's, that's something I've tried to use a time or two, you know, where you're doing that. Yes, it's a countdown clock, but it's not rigid. Right. I like, um, well, something that I, I like uh, in, in games is if you have a scene where there's gambling, make up a game outside of the game that the players can play to actually gamble their money away. Yeah. Right? Like, we had a little bit of it in, and I didn't do it very well, but we had a little bit of it when we played Eperon of, um, what was it, Ship Captain and Crew, which is a pretty common dice game. It's really mm. easy to play. It's really easy to teach people how to play. And... It's something you could have players bet in-game money on and play the game outside of that. Yeah, and that, how do you want to say it? Especially if you're doing kind of simple chance games, I think that's really cool. Right. Um, I don't want, I wouldn't want to do anything super complex like, uh, I wouldn't want to do anything super complex like a poker game. Yeah, that, that starts bordering into that. It's a, a puzzle or a riddle where it's the players that are playing, not the characters. Right. But if you're doing the chance games, that like I've seen tables really get into that kind of thing. Yeah, I would absolutely encourage chance games outside of the game just to keep the fun going, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a you know we started talking about horror, but that's a way of doing external things to set a mood in sort of more of a fun or you know exacerbated way. Now you know obviously everybody has their has their things, so that's one of the things that you're not cool with, you know, if somebody says, Hey, we're going to go to a casino, be like, Hey, I'm not cool with like gambling or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when you need to step up and be like, that's not for me, but okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's, here's just a thought that occurred to me. What about, and I know you're, you're more into board games than I am, but are there, I'm, I'm sure there are board games that have little like sub games or whatever within them, small mechanics that you could borrow and use in an RPG game, like what we're talking here with these little games of chance where, okay, we're going to kind of step outside the game here and do this, but sort of while you're playing that, you're narrating what's going on in your regular game too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know a good one for this. And, and okay. you would recognize this game. You might recognize this game. I don't know. There's a game called Don't Break the Ice it's by Hasbro. It's a kid's mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. I remember it. Yeah. You could absolutely play that if they were like, 
trying to, I don't know, do a thing, right? Like the players are trying to break something, but like, I don't know how you would justify it in game, but you could play a game like don't break the ice, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, or you could play like any of those kitty kids Hasbro games. Operation. Yeah, Operation. Oh my goodness. Operation, give give the rogue of the operation board and be like, yeah, all right, well, you get to see what you pick out of that chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing a heist thing, if you could somehow I mean again that uh what is that? Uh not sorry. The uh one where the pieces pop out of the it's a timed board game where the pieces pop out. I I remember <sighs> what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. Oh, again, you know, some of it, maybe you don't do this as a as a the a serious part in, in you know a very serious game, but at the same point, if it's something like this, in the right circumstance, it could be a lot of fun. But I was thinking just in terms of you know perfection, perfection. Okay. That's the name of that game. You know, if you could use you know we'll call it props mm-hmm. from from something else that you happen to have, you know to to kind of you know, give that, that tactile interaction. Yeah, no, any of those, like, I think any of those simple games would be a lot of fun. Well, not any of them. Obviously, don't play Monopoly in the middle of your <laughs> tabletop game. Yeah. A, Monopoly's terrible, just don't play Monopoly in general, but B, Monopoly never ends, and and C, nobody likes Monopoly. You might, <laughs> if you like Monopoly, I would love to hear your angry letter. Please write into the podcast about how you love Monopoly and we were wrong. How dare we dis, dis how dare we dis Monopoly like that? Well, there's, yeah. So what else? I liked what you were talking about though, about, you know, like voice changers, how you speak, you know, even, even, you know, just the tone you use when you're speaking can yeah. also really affect, you know, the mood and the tension. Well, and, you know, we've talked a lot about critical role, but you watch somebody like Matt Mercer, his physical changes to reflect the character they're speaking with. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's something that anybody, you know, I won't, don't want to say anybody, but that's something that, you know, most people could do fairly easily. Right. Yeah. You can make the motions. You may not have Matt's skill at voices or you might be working alongside him instead of, whatever it is you already do, but yeah, like you said, you know, you can, you can do something and your friends are going to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the yeah. thing is you're playing with your friends. So have a good time. Well, and if you're not playing with friends, then be a little bit over-exaggerated and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Cause people like as GMs, I think one of the big mistakes, and I've talked about this before, one of the biggest mistakes we make is we try to be subtle and expect people to pick up on our subtlety. Mm-hmm. And then we're always, I, at least for me, I'm always astonished when people are like, oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, well, subtlety is a, is a weird thing, I think, and especially in this context, because I think if people get it, they really appreciate the subtlety. Yeah. But that's a big if. The, at the, yes, and at the same time, when you're unsubtle, sometimes people are like, oh, that was really subtle. Like, Sometimes we get it in our head that this is really obvious when it's not. Right, right. Because I do that myself. I'm like, oh, this is so obvious. I, they're going to pick up on this right away. I did it in Mutant City Blues. 
was like, they're going to pick up on this. And then you guys didn't pick up on some of the stuff. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're, they're not. Oh, they're just not. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll just tell them. And then I, you know, a couple things got told to you guys and you were just like, whoa. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's Fight Club, right? Like the movie Fight Club, uh, spoiler for what? 28 year old movie. Have you ever seen it, Steve? Nope. Oh, well, then I won't. All I know is the number one rule is you don't talk about Fight Club. You need to find it and watch it because it's a really good movie. Well, it's a it's a movie. It's definitely <laughs> a movie that should be on the list of things that you should watch at some point. I don't want to say it's really good because, yeah, it's a little overplayed. But I think you would enjoy Fight Club, knowing okay. your taste in things. But Fight Club has a twist that you never saw coming, but all the hints were there. But anyways, um, yeah. Well, I think the other thing you're talking about, you know, and raising tension, all these things we've talked about, I think a big factor is to not overuse any of them. No, no, but you, you can, you can use all of them in the same game. <laughs> yes. You know, like, but it's, it's, I mean, it's the old classic boy who cried wolf. If you go back to the same well too many times, it loses its impact. But if you use a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of whatever, then people notice, then it has an effect. Give your stuff space to breathe. Uh-huh. It's important. It's important. Now, that doesn't mean give everything space to breathe. Some things need to be said and be done with and then move on. And some things need to be not heard, and that's okay. But it's important to give like weighty things, space to breathe, especially horror. Giving horror space to breathe lets your players get either in a false sense of security or lets them stew on what they saw and makes them paranoid, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what Chris was talking about last week. You know, you have to use the horror in the right spot because if you just continue to hammer away with it, it's not horror anymore. Right, right. You know, and that's where I know well, I think anyway, what, what Ken was talking about with Ken Height with his roller coaster was that with when you're riding a roller coaster, you have those moments where it slows down and it's smooth and then the bottom drops out. Right. And then it does a couple of weird twists and turns and then it slows down again. You know, and it, it is it's that, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, what was the Jason Statham movie where he had to keep his heart rate above whatever Oh, I was, yeah. That. I haven't seen it, but I, I remember hearing about it. But, like, so to speak, I'm guessing that movie is very fast paced, in your face the whole way through. And at some point, that becomes tiring. It's no longer exciting. Oh, no, that movie is exhausting. I love it. <laughs> but, yep. but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, if you do that to your players every session, it's no longer fun. If you do that to them for an hour, or maybe even a whole session where it's very, very fast paced now, 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 now crank. But if you do that over and over again, it no longer has an impact. Crank is the name of that movie. Okay. And that movie, that movie has a, a pace that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's bonkers and fun and wild. And yeah, that's a, that's a very, that's a Sunday afternoon. If there ever was one. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, with that bombshell dropped, I think it's time <laughs> we move on to Game of the Week. 
Woohoo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. I have one. Okay. My game is it's on Kickstarter. It's about to go out. The guy's giving literal uh, demos of it. It's kicked. Or it's started, I should say. It's not kicked. (laughs) I picked the wrong half of that. Wrong half of the word, Steve. You got all the coal, but none of the slaw. Right. (laughs) Anyways, it's called Beasts and Basements. B-E-A-S-T-S and Basements. And it's a kid's tabletop RPG. Okay. Let me see if I can find this real quick. I can send it to you. That'll work. That'll be quicker. Bushki. There we go. And it's advertised as a tabletop RPG for all ages. And it absolutely could be. I could see myself playing this with a group of people who just want to sit down, play something light, and move on. The game looks a lot of fun. You have basically three stats. Strength, speediness, wait, strongness, speediness, and smartness. (laughs) You roll up your character, you use those three stats... And then you're dealt a stack of cards, basically a hand, and you're going to go through those cards, and that's going to be the equipment, the spells, the creatures, everything you have in the game. Mm -hmm. And it looks really simple, really fun and cute. The box set comes with everything you need to play the game. And it looks like, and from what I was seeing of the guy, I watched a little bit of the guy play it today, or the, the creator play it. It looks like it's sort of like a you package up the cards and they crack them in basically draft packs, like you would a pack of cards. Okay. And each, you know, basically as you crack the pack of cards, that becomes your character's ability, you know, your character's equipment. Okay. So I thought that looked really fun, really simple, really cute, really light, just something fun to check out. Yeah. It looks like they're at least. It's funded. Yeah, it's backed. It didn't get all of its stretch goals, but it is backed. And, it, you know, it, I've I've seen the game played, so it should be. I don't know where they're at with that game, but. Yeah, the original estimate was February, but. I know you can pre-order it. I, I would imagine they probably ran into some, you know, everybody's ran into printing issues. Yeah, especially of late. It's hitting everybody. Yeah. Oh, my. All right. Now, that does look kind of pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, let me hit you back with one here. There, let me send you a link. My pick this week is a game called Vintage Space. And uh, it's a little $5 PDF. It says, Hark back to the days of Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers in the 25th century, and Space 1999 with Vintage cool. Space. Back, when's vil- back when villains were cruel, heroes were dashing, robots made silly sound effects, and they all had feathered hair. It oh. is... It claims itself as a retro clone of one of the most influential RPGs of the era, one that used D100 and had players portraying fleet officers exploring the ultimate frontier. So we can all guess what that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but Star it's saying Wars. it is. <laughs> it says it's more than a clone. It distills the essence of the original rules to make the game go faster. So it's more of a spiritual successor. You know, tone of the game's optimistic. Violence is always portrayed as the least desirable outcome of any situation. So, hey, you know, for, like I said, for five bucks for a 70-page PDF. Could be good. From Thunder Egg Productions. And when I clicked on the author's name, 
to see what else they might have listed on drive-through. It appears that they've done a bunch of work with Modifius, Edge Studios, um, and, and some others. And um, let me see, because of course I closed that tab. But yeah, like you know, they've worked on the new line of Star Trek. They've done some work with Legend of the Five Rings. Of course, my computer is being slow. Well, it sounds like they have the pedigree to back up. Yeah, a like decent game. Yeah, like and and um, oh, they've done some work for Mongoose on Traveler. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would trust these people with. Yeah, like it appears that, that, that game. You know, they this isn't like their first deal, right? Right. So yeah, like it just. Like I said, it it seems interesting. Yeah, very neat. So yeah, that's mine. Uh, like I said, that's called Vintage Space. I'll have to nice. send that one to Chris. That seems like it might be right up his alley. He might like that. That seems like it would be up his alley. With all that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening. Remind you all to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Oh, and as always, links to everything are in the show notes. But be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Boopity boop, boop, boop. Ba -bom. Well... Being as we're recording this, and this episode's going to go up the... Oh, well, uh, no, brain. Hold on. Stop. Delete that. Delete that. Strike that. Reverse it. Yep. <clears throat>